On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, how he works, what his work is. Um, it's a really important subject, and of course there's a lot of division and controversy about this in the religious world. We think a lot of people have some mistaken ideas about what the Holy Spirit does, but certainly the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is an important part uh, of the Godhead, and he has vital work uh, in 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 regards to our salvation, in, in regards to God's plan for us. And so tonight, uh, what we're going to do to try and solve some of the dilemma and some of the controversy is just go to the, what the scriptures teach. And if we'll do that on this subject, on in every subject, we will be uh, understanding what God wants us to understand. I think you're exactly right. All right, we're going to do that. We're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we are glad that you're here. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 13th, 2018. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Kyle's behind the controls tonight. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. And uh, we're glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight. We look forward to hearing from you at 877 Four five six seven questions at collegeview.com anytime you may be listening to this and if you're listening to us live in the chat room below the video feed tonight we look forward to hearing from you on the program maybe just send us an email let us know you're out there uh let us know how you listen when you listen where you listen uh those are the kind of things we'd like to know i hear from people uh, a lot of times if you're out visiting other churches or something someone's oh yeah i I watch the virtual bible study or you know and we're always encouraged to hear that so uh, if if you haven't had a chance to tell us so, send us an email to say, I listen, I listen live, I listen in the archives, uh, I live in such and such a place, I attend such and such a church, and uh, we just love to hear from you. And, you know, I think our listeners probably have some opinions about the program, about uh, what they like to hear, and maybe about the format and, the, and so forth. I think we ought to get a survey out there for our listeners to give their feedback on what we could do to maybe improve the program. Yeah, or in... in uh, in absence of an official survey, send us some suggestions by email. All right, okay. All right. And we still have some bumper stickers we want on your bumper or your back window. You don't even have to put it on the paint. Just put it on the window. Yeah. You can scrape it off any time you, you want to. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I do on mine. I put them on the, on the window usually okay. so they come right off. Kyle, where is it on yours? It's on the back glass. On, on the glass. Car, yeah. All right. See, so uh, send us an email with your snail mail address. We'll get one into the mail or two or three or however many you need so you can help us get the word out. We would appreciate that. Send your snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com. All right. So tonight we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, his work, his role in God's plan for uh, for us, for mankind. Um, we think it's an important subject. Uh, we sent out an update earlier today. We always remind you that if you are hearing this but you don't get the update, you can. It's absolutely free. Uh, all you have to do is send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Say, add me to the list in the subject line or in the body of the message. It doesn't matter. And we'll, we'll capture your email that way, and we'll put you on the list. And on Thursdays midday, you'll get an update about what we're going to be discussing on that night's program. Earlier today, we sent, up, sent out these questions. Number one, what, is the whole, what does the Old Testament say about the Spirit's work in that time? Okay. Number two, as simply as possible, state the work of the Spirit as explained in the New Testament supply some verses to help us understand that okay number three is the spirit working today okay is he working in the same way today that he did in the first century okay and then number four many people claim that the spirit is still working today to reveal enlighten directly guide people and so forth if that's the case we have some questions to ask and I might just save those questions till we get to that part of the study. But in other words, if the Spirit is working miraculously today to divinely guide people separate and apart from the Word, then I think there's some questions that have to be asked and answered. Yeah, sort of like well, one of those. If 
why are people disagreeing on certain things? If, if the Holy Spirit, yeah, for instance, we're going to ask why. If the Holy Spirit's doing that, why do people who all claim that they have such guidance believe different things and teach different things? The, the Spirit told me to do this. He told you to do something different than uh, diametrically opposed to what He told me. How's that work? Yeah. So we're going to talk about those kind of questions at the end of the program all tonight. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Send those uh, comments in the chat room tonight. See Rick, Jeff, Dwight, and Arthur in there. Sign in if you're listening tonight and share your comments with other listeners. Um, the Holy Spirit is a subject that I think some people kind of shy away from. Other people, it seems like there's two ends of the spectrum. There's some people who are just so attracted to any concept of the Holy Spirit, they just get all worked up about discussions of the Holy Spirit, what he does, and so forth. I think some of those people sort of want to blend their feelings and emotions uh, into the concept of the Holy Spirit and his work. And we've got to be so careful about that. But then there are other people who I don't. Oh, Holy Spirit. I don't want to talk about that at all. That's a that's a that's a confusing subject to me. I don't want to have anything to do with that. So I think there's two ends of the spectrum. Some people who just can't get enough of it and other people who don't want to touch it at all. But the Bible plainly talks about the fact that the Spirit has an important work. The Spirit is a real, distinct, divine being, uh, and he has very important work to do uh, in, in our salvation. Uh, I thought we would just start out, and that's the reason I asked the first question. What does the Old Testament teach about the Spirit's work during that time? Well, we know that the Spirit was working in Old Testament times because even the Apostle Peter made reference to that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Peter 1, verse 20. Now, this is the New Testament, but it's talking about things that were happening That's in the right. Old Testament. He said, No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So Peter says that the prophets were being moved in the Old Testament times. They were being, we would use the word inspired. They were being, they were being used to reveal God's message uh, uh, to the people of that time. And we have a number of references to that sort of thing. We could probably spend all night talking about different uh, references to to the prophets and their work. But I just want to, I want to emphasize the fact that. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, he was supplying verbal messages through the prophets. Second Samuel 23, verse 2. Second Samuel 23, verse 2. Uh, David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed the God of, uh, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said. So here's what David said. David said, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. So David, who was the writer of many of the Psalms, an inspired man who wrote many of the Psalms, he said that the Spirit of the Lord spake by me. But no, he, didn't, he, would, he wasn't just given thoughts or concept. He said his word was in my tongue. So when David spoke as he was being moved by the Holy Spirit, it was... In, in relation to literal words that were being given to him to speak. In Nehemiah chapter 9, in Nehemiah chapter 9, uh, verse 20, Thou gavest also thy good spirit to instruct the, instruct them. And then skipping down to verse 30, uh, Therefore gavest thou them into, oh, excuse me, uh, Yet for many years didst thou forbear them and testifiest against them by thy spirit in the prophets. And so uh, here in Nehemiah's time, Nehemiah is making reference to how God had dealt with his people through the prophets. And so we just see a a lot of statements similar to that um, in the Old Testament. We want to talk about the work of the prophets. Uh, One more, Zechariah chapter 7, verse 12. Yea, they made their hearts as adamant as stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Notice the words which the Lord of hosts sent in his spirit by the former prophets. So 
in all such references as that in Old Testament time. And I, and I really think in the Old Testament we don't have a, a really thorough picture of the Spirit in His work. I think we got a lot more thorough information in the New Testament. But even in Old Testament times, we get the idea that the Spirit was working to reveal God's message. And it was, and he wasn't revealing it through feelings or emotions. He was revealing it through words spoken by inspired prophets. Okay. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. He was also doing it, uh, revealing things th- through dreams in the Old Testament. You know, there were you dreams about, and visions, and there were in the New Testament, too. Think about Joseph uh, and his dreams uh, in the little... In the children's Bible class night, last night we were studying about the butler and the baker and uh, revealing some things, not necessarily to them, but then revealing the interpretation of those dreams to Joseph. And so there, there are, as you mentioned, lots of things going on there in the Old Testament we probably don't have a full picture of. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think we have a full picture in the Old Testament. But there were dreams and visions were also used to reveal things in the New Testament. That's true. Too. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter. Uh, uh, but, yeah. but the point of it is that the Spirit was... Revealing, yeah. God, Spirit was revealing God's message, God's will. The Spirit was speaking through the prophets to the people in literal words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, again, I don't think we have a really complete picture of things in uh, concerning the Spirit in Old Testament times. But what we see points us to that conclusion. And so we just ask, what do we read in the Old Testament about the Spirit's work in that time? To that question, Stephen, in Rockmart, Georgia, says, In the Old Covenant times, the Spirit overpowered chosen men to prophesy and to write. Men were empowered to perform miracles. Since all Scripture is inspired by, of God, this would, of course, include old as well as new. Moses didn't eyewitness creation yet. He wrote accurately as to the events. Thank you, Stephen, for those comments tonight. Uh, and that's in line with what we're seeing here from the scriptures, is that uh, that the, the Spirit would come upon these men and would uh, tell them what to write and okay. what to prophesy. So what we're saying is historically, Old Testament time-wise, that's what we see the work of the Spirit being. All right, now, would we be surprised then to see that the same sort of thing uh, happens in the New Testament era? Uh, we ask the question, as simply as you can, state what the work of the Spirit is in, uh, as revealed in the New Testament. Well, I would say that the work of the Spirit is revealing and confirming God's message to mankind. And so he made it known and he provided proofs or evidence that this really was a message from God. If you stop to think about it, uh, it was it, so, so. Here's Paul and Barnabas going into a new city on the first missionary journey, and they're preaching some doctrine about a man named Jesus Christ, and they have somewhat to say about him dying on the cross, being buried, resurrected from the dead, and you know you can imagine why some people say, "Are you serious? You 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 come here to our city? You're strangers to this place." And you're telling us some state, some story that just sounds absolutely incredible. There wouldn't have been much reason for them to be believed unless they could confirm the message they were preaching with a miraculous sign. And that's exactly what they did. We're going to read some verses about that in a minute. But I would say as, as simply as I know how to say it, in the New Testament, I, see, I think we see hints of it in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit was to reveal and confirm God's message to man. All right. We need to get some scriptures that uh, that show that, and we need to get to those on the other side of the break. But during the break would be a great time for you to sign in with your comments and let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. We'll continue the discussion right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer. But we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Christians are like coals of fire. Together they glow, apart they die out. If you preach what's new, it won't be true. If you preach what's true, it won't be new. A poor listener seldom hears a good sermon. Man, wish I'd said that. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about the Holy Spirit. We're looking at what the Scriptures tell us about the Holy Spirit in an effort to try and uh, come to an agreement on what uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is uh, today and his role in the, uh, God's plan for mankind. So we said uh, just before the break that we, we see that the work of the Spirit is to reveal God's truth and confirm it to mankind. And let's look at some verses that point out that that's exactly what he was doing. By the way, think, I would just make a side point. When we refer to the Holy Spirit, we should refer to him as a he and not an it. Yes. Every once in a while we hear people talk, and I did this. I remember when I was a young preacher, one of the, in fact, one of the very first sermons I ever tried to preach, uh, I made some reference to the Holy Spirit, and I called the Holy Spirit it. And one of the brothers took me aside afterwards very kindly he wasn't out of line at all and he said you know the holy spirit's not an it the holy spirit is a he mm-hmm. and and I, it was exactly correct and and uh and I, I hope i think i have not made that mistake again but the holy spirit is a distinct real uh individual being and we should refer to him as he and and we're talking about his work in john chapter 20 at verse 30, John 20, verse 30, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now, understand that the signs that John is describing there are the miraculous things that were accomplished through the Holy Spirit. Right. Jesus was a man who had the Holy Spirit without measure while he was here on earth. And so uh, signs were done, and they were recorded for us. So for what reason? That we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So what was the Spirit doing? As the Spirit was working in that time, he was, he was working in and through Jesus to reveal him to be the Son of God, uh, and, and he was confirming that through the miracles that were being performed. All right. Uh, and uh, over and over again, we see that that was the purpose of the Holy Spirit in uh, the New Testament. Um, in, in Mark chapter 16, verses, uh, verse 20, uh, Jesus, right after he gives the, the instruction that the apostles were to go everywhere, uh, teaching the word, uh, that verse 17, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So they, these were signs that were going to follow those who believe. And then notice uh, verse 20, when they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with the signs following. So they were working all these amazing miracles Casting out demons, serpents weren't hurting them, drinking deadly things wouldn't hurt them. They were healing the sick, and that was to confirm the things that were being spoken. And again, you can see the necessity of that because this is a brand new doctrine. You know, we've grown up uh, uh, knowing about Jesus and and uh, understanding the truths about his life and his work and his sacrifice and his resurrection. But to those people, it was a brand new story. And it needed it needed to be told and it needed to be confirmed, and the Holy Spirit was doing that. He was making it known and he was confirming it. In Hebrews chapter two, verse three, the Hebrew writer says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. Notice the Lord spoke, those who were with him and heard him, they spoke. God confirmed or bore witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. One example when that happened was Paul and Barnabas in Iconium in chapter 14 of Acts, verse 3. Long time, therefore, abode they speaking boldly in the Lord, 
Notice this, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. God was working signs and wonders by the hands of Paul and Barnabas, and that was uh, giving testimony to the word that they were speaking. Right. So, again, I hope I hope we're just kind of nailing this down in regards to what does the Holy Spirit do? What has he done? What is his vital role in our salvation? God has a plan for us. What what part did the Spirit play in that plan and continues to play? It's uh, It has to do with revealing and confirming the Word. Why do we believe the New Testament? Why do we believe the Bible, the Old and New Testament? We believe that it is the inspired Word of God because of the not only the revelation itself, but the confirmation of the revelation that came to us. In John chapter 14, Jesus made a promise to his apostles. Just before he was to be arrested and crucified, Jesus said in John 14, verse 25, These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Earlier in, in the chapter, chapter 14, uh, verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that you may abide with you forever, this, the spirit of truth. And that spirit of truth, he says, that comforter, he's going to teach you all things, bring all things to your remembrance. Now, I think it's really important here to acknowledge the context of, to, of, of that statement to whom was that promise made? It was made specifically to the apostles. I think some people want to take that promise and say, well, that's for all of us. The Spirit's going to come. He's going to reveal things to all of us. That statement contextually was made specifically to the apostles. And then in chapter 16 of John, again, Jesus still speaking to his apostles. He said, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So Jesus promised his apostles that they would be guided into all truth, which is really an important thing for us to stress. The, the apostles, it was promised to the apostles that they would be guided into all truth. That being the case, then, we should not think that there's some truth that we're still waiting for. Right that there's some truth not yet revealed, and we still need the Spirit to be revealing things because it's not all revealed yet. If that would be the case, then Jesus' promise to his apostles was not kept. Right. He promised them that they would receive all truth by the Holy Spirit. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Dwight in the chat room says, Hebrews 2 teaches us that God bears witness through the Holy Spirit, as you referenced there, Hebrews 2, verses 3 and 4. Um and uh, and so send us those comments uh, tonight. Um, you know, even in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit wasn't just working miracles to work miracles. Uh, not even everyone in the New Testament uh, time worked miracles. So it was for a very specific purpose. First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, in verse twenty-nine, are all prophets. Are all, uh, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Now, those are rhetorical questions. And the answer is no. And the, and the answer, every one of them is no. Yeah. And so when he says, do all work miracles, the rhetorical answer is no. Because no. they were for, for a very specific purpose. It wasn't just for, uh, oh, so-and-so's got a sore throat, we're going to heal them. No, there was, a, there was a very specific purpose and reason for this uh, happening at that time. I think that's really an important text. and. First uh, Corinthians 12. You may want to note that as you're just, as you're studying with people about this. First Corinthians 12, verse well, really starting verse uh, 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Well, obviously not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are teachers, and not everyone is a worker of miracles. Uh, so. Uh, again, the Spirit had a specific purpose in mind, and he used individuals, but not everyone had these these revelations or these signs of confirmation. Uh, Paul did in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says, By revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote a four and few words, whereby when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So Paul says, it was revealed to me, I wrote it down. You can read it, you can understand. That's the process, uh, that's how it works. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 talks about that and how the people received it. Uh, the, the, the revelation that Paul had been given. For this cause, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively worked, worketh also in you that believe. Paul said he was speaking the words that God had given him, and the Christians of that day realized that and recognized that, no doubt part of that had to do with some of the miracles that Paul was able to work. Exactly. All right. And then I really like uh, Paul's explanation in 1 Corinthians 2, beginning verse 9. I had, this 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. No, it's revealed by the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so, notice, God revealed, the things of God are revealed to us by the spirit. And he said, just like you can't read a man's mind, he has to tell you what he's thinking. Same thing that's true with God. You can't read God's mind. He has to tell you what he's thinking, and that's the work that the Spirit did. He revealed those things to us. But notice, he did it through the, through the words. Uh, Paul says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. And so they were speaking the words given to them by the Holy Spirit. It was a, a verbally inspired message uh, by the Holy Spirit. All right, uh, to the question you asked today, or uh, as simply as possible, state the work of the Holy Spirit as explained in the New Testament. Stephen in Georgia wrote this. He says, Jesus, after completing his work, promised to send the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 16, and verse 26. Now, Stephen says the only ones to receive this promise were the 12 apostles, because they were the only ones there at the Last Supper to receive the promise. I think that's right. Contextually, that's the promise, that they were the ones who would receive this, the, the promise uh, of the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. That was a promise made specifically to the apostles, as we were saying earlier. They weren't the only ones to receive the Holy Spirit that guided into truth, though. Well, well there were others who also were inspired men. Yes. Exactly right. But the promise was to them. That promise... Yes was to them. Okay. And, and contextually, you'd have to accept okay. that right. in that passage, that promise doesn't apply to everybody. Okay. The promise is, is specifically to the 12 apostles. All right. The reasons were to be a helper, John fourteen sixteen, and to teach the 12 all things, verse 26, and to bring to remembrance all that Jesus had said to them. Another reason, John 15, 26 and 27, was to bear witness of Jesus. Preachers today speak and act as if Jesus came to bear witness to the Holy Spirit. Nothing could be farther from the truth. And in John sixteen thirteen, the Holy Spirit would lead them, the twelve, to, into all truth. Jesus identifies the truth in chapter seventeen seventeen with the words, Sanctify them in the truth, thy word is truth. Jesus gave them the great commission to preach the gospel to every nation. Every nation has its own language, which God confused at the Tower of Babel. Tongues, a gift of the Holy Spirit, enabled them to perform the assigned task and was perhaps... For this reason, the greatest gift of all. What tongue speakers are uh, are saying today saying today is not any known tongue, uh, uh, known language known to mankind. Okay, so he's just talking about a specific sign of the Spirit, the speaking in tongues. And, and I think he makes an accurate point that what people claim today is tongue speaking. They claim to have the power of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues. Isn't anything at all like the speaking in tongues that occurred in the first century. All right. Uh, 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com time for a break and get this week's bullet point and when we get back what about today is he, the spirit still working today yeah, we had the question then okay so 
just to summarize, we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit was to reveal and confirm God's message to man. We see we see that working in the Old Testament, although we don't have as clear a picture of it. Definitely in the New Testament, just repeated statements about the fact that the Spirit was making known God's will and empowering people to work miracles to confirm that message, to reveal and confirm. That's the work that the Holy Spirit has done. That's the important role of, that God assigned to him in regards to our salvation. Now the question is, is he still working in the world today? Uh, and specifically, is he still working like he was back there in the first century? That's what we need to talk about. All right. Uh, to that question, Dwight has chimed in in the chat room. Look at this with this comment, and then maybe you can agree or disagree during the break. He says the Holy Spirit does does speak to us today. The Holy Spirit does speak to us today, not as in the first century. He speaks to us today through the, the Word. We have God's inspired will to direct us into all righteousness. What are your thoughts about that? You do agree with Dwight? You disagree? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. It's always a big mistake to imagine that your particular circumstances are unique. Others have probably experienced the same things and probably to a greater degree. And it is seldom true to say that, quote, nobody knows in regards to your troubles, your burdens, your family relationships, and so forth. People likely do know because they have been through the same issues, perhaps more often and more fully than you have. Furthermore, it's a good rule to avoid using superlatives, best, worst, most, least, and so forth, to describe your own situation. More than likely, there are others whose condition exceeds your own. The big problem with this kind of thinking is that it commonly leads to unhealthy excuse-making. After all, since nobody knows what I'm dealing with, they cannot possibly understand how difficult it is for me. If they only knew, they would not criticize me, expect more of me, or correct me for my sins. They just don't know. Are you beginning to see how this flawed thinking leads to flawed living? Here are the facts. Quote, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. From this verse, notice. First, what you're dealing with is common to man. Others have dealt with the same things you're dealing with, and they do know what it's like to have such problems, pains, pressures, and so forth. They have been there and done that. Second, you can handle it. God promises that your issues will not be so great that you become overwhelmed, unable to resist, incapable of doing the right thing. And finally, there is a way of escape. And so look for it. Don't give in to the temptation. Resist it, and you will succeed. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. But better yet, come and worship with us uh, on Sundays or our Bible study on Wednesday night. We'd love for you to come and find out more about us in person. Find out more about us uh, in our meeting place and our time of location at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us a message with your questions, comments, suggestions, or to get that free bumper sticker uh, for your bumper or your back window, uh, questions at collegeview.com. We're talking about the Holy Spirit today and tonight on the program and his part in God's plan for mankind. So we talked about how he worked in Old Testament times. We talked about how he worked in New Testament times. Now the question is, is the, the Spirit still working in that way today? Uh, well, first of all, if, if we have correctly identified the work of the Spirit to reveal and confirm God's truth, then the question is, do we have it? Do we have the truth, and has it been confirmed to us? That's what we said his job was. The Spirit's job was to do that. Did he do it? Oh, remember, Jesus said to the apostles that in their lifetime, all truth would be revealed. He will guide you into all truth. So we can't believe that during the lifetime of the apostles there in the first century, part of the truth was spelled out. But not all, not all. It's an ongoing, continuing revelation. And we're still getting some bits and pieces today and that people are still receiving revelations from the spirit today. If that's true, 
then Jesus didn't tell the truth because Jesus said in the lifetime of the apostles, they would be guided into all truth. Ooh. All is all. That doesn't leave any exception. So we wouldn't need any more today. So we would we would argue that the, the Spirit's work in revealing truth is a completed work. Okay. Uh, Prove it. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Second Peter 1, verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Notice, his divine power hath given, that's past tense. By the time Peter wrote this epistle, all that truth was out there. Now, that's not saying that it all had been committed to writing. And we know initially that the revelation of the Spirit to the apostles and prophets was an oral re- revelation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and and so at, at the first, on the day of Pentecost, for instance, there was no written New Testament revelation. It was all oral. Over time, that it, it became, began to be committed to writing, and ultimately it became a fully written revelation and no oral but revelation. But 2 Peter wasn't the last book written in the Bible. No, that's right. And so, so yeah, okay. So, so. But, but Peter said, even when he wrote this, that it... All that everything that pertains to life and godliness had already been given. It hadn't been all committed to writing, but it had all been given by the time Peter made that statement. Okay, so yeah, so they knew it. They just hadn't put it pen to paper yet, maybe, or they hadn't. They haven't written it in an epistle yet. But yeah. the things that they were being they, they knew the truth. Teaching. They had all things. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, Jude says in Jude verse three. Jude says, I, when I gave diligence, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now I'm reading the King James Version and I really hear like, like the New American Standard and other newer translations, which I think give a, a fuller shade of meaning there. Where the King James says, the faith which was once delivered to the saints, newer versions, I think, more accurately say, the the faith which was once for all mm-hmm. delivered to the saints. And we understand that expression, once for all, to mean it's done. It was, it was done. It was done once for all time. It doesn't have to be repeated. Uh, the faith was delivered once for all to the saints. All right. And then I think the the fullest and most complete explanation of the fact that Revelation is finished is 1 Corinthians 13. Yes. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, beginning verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Let's stop here for a minute. I think here here Paul is mentioning some of the specific spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit was using in that first century time period to reveal and confirm God's truth. Prophecies and tongues and knowledge. And by the way, I believe there that that's inspired or divine knowledge, right. uh, not just the kind of knowledge we have. This was a knowledge that was imparted into men's minds by inspiration. I think he's using three of the specific gifts gifts of the spirit in representative form he says they're going to end prophecies will fail tongues will cease knowledge will vanish away notice for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away uh, the the word perfect there is complete when that which is perfect or complete is come what's he talking about we he says we know in part we have we just have partial knowledge. We prophesy partially. But he contrasts that with a time when it will be complete, when something will be complete. So what they had in partially, knowledge and prophecy, would at some point be complete. And when that was come, then the partial things would be done away. The gifts of the Spirit that were bringing that forth. The gifts of the Spirit were revealing and confirming God's truth. And when it was finished, when that revelation was finished, then the partial things, prophecy, tongue speaking, and so forth, those things would be done away. He goes on to say, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. He says, and and so basically he's saying, these gifts are like, for a time of spiritual infancy in the, in the church. 
when we reach maturity, we won't need them anymore. Just like a, a child puts off, child, puts away childish things, we'll put away these things. We won't need them anymore because we'll reach, have reached a point of spiritual maturity. He says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as, even as also I am known. I think some people think this is talking about heaven. It's not talking about heaven. This is talking about when revelation is complete. At that point, when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, Revelation wasn't complete. He said, we're seeing through, like looking in a, uh, through a glass a, darkly or a di- looking a in a mirror. A dirty mirror, mirror yeah. yeah. a mirror, just looking in a dingy mirror. But he says, when Revelation is complete, it will be like looking face to face. I, I will know even as I am known. That's possible for us, right? We can know as we are known. How does God look at us now? What does God think of me? I can know that because I can compare myself to the finished, inspired revelation of God. And then finally, he says, now abide faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Notice he contrasts verse 8, things that were going to end. He contrasts them in verse 13 with things that are going to continue. Prophecies, tongues, and knowledge would vanish away, but faith, hope, and charity would abide And by the way, the fact that hope would continue even after the gifts ended clearly indicates he's not talking about the end of time here. At the end of time, we won't have hope. Hope will be realized. Romans 8, 24 and 25. But here he says these spiritual gifts will pass away, but faith, hope, and charity will abide. Uh, So clearly he was talking about the spiritual gifts would come to an end. And when talking about they would come to an end, when the Lord returns in final judgment, these spiritual gifts would end. Faith, hope, and charity would abide, meaning clearly the, the, the gifts would end while we still serve here on the earth. Faith and hope will not abide when Christ returns. Exactly. Romans eight twenty four and 25 tells us that hope is something that we're hoping for, that we will have it then when Jesus comes. Hebrews 11, verse 1 tells us that faith will vanish away when Christ returns. You don't need faith when you see Christ. Yeah. Uh, and the greatest of these is charity. Charity is going to abide. Yeah. Love will continue. That's why it's the greatest. It's the greatest. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it's interesting. Uh, he talks about looking at it through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Same imagery there in James chapter 2, uh, talking about one looking into the perfect law of liberty. And then he'll know as he's known. Uh, we'll see ourselves as God sees us when we look into the completed revelation. They didn't have it. And they needed uh, the the Holy miracles, Spirit to reveal it, to them, it, and the miracles in, to confirm. In that time of infancy of, of of the church, but now we have the mature, full, complete revelation of God. So, the work of the Spirit in God's plan for mankind was to reveal and confirm His message. The revelation and confirmation is completed, but the Spirit's work continues through this completed revelation. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the word of God is quick or alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so we believe that this is the, the spirit is still working. Uh, he, his, his tool, his agency of work in the world today is the Word of God, but it's a live, it's alive, it's active. Uh, it works in our lives as we study and learn and incorporate it into our thinking and into our actions. The Spirit is still working in the Word uh, for us today. Now, this may be a concept that is foreign to many of our listeners because a common idea today is that uh, God's will for men is sort of dynamic it sort of changes over time that uh well god would need to maybe enlighten us somehow uh to accept some things that may not have been accepted in the first century to practice some things that may have not been practiced in the first century because things change over time and god's will is sort of fluid and and changing well I, i would go back again to that statement in john 16 uh, verses 12 and 13, when Jesus promised the apostles that within their lifetime, all truth would be known. Truth is truth. Truth does not change. I mean, uh, if truth changes, we got a big problem. I was taught two plus two is four. 
But if that's going to change, oh, we're going to have some we're going to have some real issues to work through. If now if if mathematical truth changes, we got issues. All right. Uh, scientific confirmable scientific truth. It, uh, truth is truth. Truth doesn't change. Water freezes at thirty two degrees Fahrenheit. That doesn't change. It hasn't changed. It doesn't change. And so, but and and so God's truth doesn't change either. It's not fluid. It doesn't. It, it's not evolving. It's a finished revelation that has been confirmed by the way the idea of this confirmation the revelation of uh, through the spirit is complete and his work of confirming the revelation is complete this message of god revealed in the scriptures doesn't have to be continually reconfirmed to us it has been confirmed uh and and we have that evidence already we don't have to keep getting additional confirmations of the word Uh, some people have the idea that we we still need miracles to confirm God's message to mankind, and and, and that's that's a, an incorrect concept. I like to relate it to the idea of of, of a certified check. So I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna meet a guy tomorrow, talk to him today on Craigslist, and I'm gonna buy a car from him, and he says bring a certified check. So I go to the bank and I get my check. Basically, the bank confirms that the money is in my account for this check. And the guy can accept that check with confirmation. It's been confirmed. Once that's confirmed, I don't have to go back every hour, every 15 minutes. I don't have to keep getting that reconfirmed. Once it's confirmed, it's confirmed. And the same thing is true with the revelation that the Spirit gave to mankind through the Holy Spirit. Uh, apostles and prophets once it was revealed and confirmed that part of the spirit's work is complete all right we're going to get our last break and we'll go to the top of the hour after this but it'd be a perfect time for you to sign in the chat room and send your comments don't go anywhere the virtual bible study continues right after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Misconception number 56. The folks at College View Church of Christ aren't led by the Spirit. They're afraid of Him. Some people say this, but it's simply not true. The fact is, there is not a single thing we do at the College View Church of Christ without first getting the Holy Spirit's approval. Granted, we don't have healing crusades, miracle ministries, or slayings in the Spirit, but we refuse to do anything without Holy Ghost guidance. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. From the United States Census Bureau records, we find this. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors compared to just over 1,000 new churches starting. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. From 1990 to 2000, the combined membership of all Protestant denominations in the United States declined by almost 5 million members. That's 9.5% while the U.S. population increased by 24 million people, that's an 11% increase. The United States now ranks third behind China and India in the number of people who do not profess to be Christians. Half of all churches in the U.S. did not add any new members to their ranks in the last two years. All that information is via churchleadership.org. The Word of God says in Matthew 28, beginning verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back going to the top of the hour. We talk about the Holy Spirit and his part in God's will for mankind. Okay. So, uh, hopefully we've, we've sort of touched all those bases about the work of the Spirit and what it is. He. Uh, he. You said it. What it, the work, what it, the oh, work, oh, the, the okay. work of the Spirit and what oh, it. Oh, I thought I caught him. Did you, you, too, you did too, didn't you, Kyle? Well, I didn't know. You were on it, though. You were on it. I was on it, okay. <laughs> the work of the Spirit and what that work is, what it is, the work of the Spirit is. Okay. Right. Uh, so we got some questions. If the Spirit is still working in the world today, and that's, that's what a lot of people think. We've tried to say that his work of revealing and confirming God's truth is finished. Now... If it's a finished work, well, we got some, and yet people don't accept that. We've got some questions for them. If the Spirit is still working, 
uh, to guide, enlighten, reveal, uh, to directly guide people today. Why is it that there are certain areas of the world where there's just literally no Christians in some parts of the world? Uh, is, is God a respecter of persons? You know, does he like God likes the United States of America because we have a high percentage of people who, who claim to be Christians here. I was reading today, still well over 70 percent of Americans make a claim to being Christians or believe, at least believing in Jesus Christ. Okay. So uh, but there are some places where there aren't any. Who believe in Jesus Christ? Why is that so? Is God a respecter of persons? Why? Why isn't the Spirit guiding those people over there to this understanding? Uh, why is He doing all of His guiding and instructing here and not over there? Is God a respecter of persons? I think. I think you'd have to. You'd have to deal with that question. Uh, if God, if the Spirit is still working directly and miraculously today, why isn't He working directly and miraculously? In all parts of the world toward all people. Okay. All right. Number two, why are we commanded to teach? If the Holy Spirit does this work, why does why do we have to do anything? Why are we instructed? Jesus said in Matthew twenty eight, nineteen twenty, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh um you know, why did he give the great commission? Yeah. Uh if, if the spirit is doing that. I gotta tell you, I mean, we can try, we can work, but we we we're we're pretty ineffective and uh, inefficient, and 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 our work is is sometimes less than ideal. But the Spirit's work would be perfect. Why do we have to go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you? Matthew twenty eight nineteen and twenty. Why do we need to do that if the Spirit is doing? this work still in the world today that really doesn't make sense he would do a much better job than we would do sure in that if that's if that's how it is to be done sure but of course that that does not line up with what what the lord has intended um in first corinthians chapter one verse 21 it says after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so God's plan is for the for us to preach. The Holy Spirit's not going to do that work directly in guiding men today. The Spirit revealed and confirmed God's truth. Now it's our work to take the gospel to the world. And uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the... Spirit moving on you, uh, hearing by the word of God. So the faith the, that will save us, uh, that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Yeah. All right. Uh, third question, and I think this is the big one. Why is it that there are so many differing doctrines from people that all claim to have the guidance of the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit is today guiding people, well, I've got, for instance, I've got the Pentecostals who yeah. claim that the Spirit's guiding, revealing and guiding things in, the, in regards to uh, But even among Pentecostals, there are what's called oneness Pentecostals who believe there's only one person in the Godhead. Yeah. And there are Trinitarian Pentecostals who believe there's three persons in the Godhead. There's snake handling Pentecostals who say God's telling them to pick up snakes. Well, there's Church of God. There, there, there's a whole, there's a whole host of religious uh, denominations that claim that God is giving them direct guidance, and yet they differ from one another. How can that be so? Uh, obviously, He's not guiding all of them, or they would all be teaching and uh, practicing exactly the same thing. Actually, the, what what they are. The, the impression you'd get from their claims is that God is the author of confusion. But 1 Corinthians 14.33 says that he is not. Yep. Don't forget that there are false spirits out there. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And so, you know, just because someone claims that they're being guided by the Holy Spirit today in a miraculous way, separate and apart from the Word of God, 
we need to understand there's a there's a spirit of false prophets out there as well. Well, in that day, even in that day, it would be more a greater danger back then because there were, in fact, uh, revelations coming. But even today, in Galatians chapter one, uh, verse eight. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. What would be the purpose of of these revelations today? I don't need them. If, and if they're anything different than what I read about in the Bible, then then that whoever brings that revelation needs to be accursed. But if they're the same thing as the Bible, why don't I just read the Bible? I don't need that either. So if it's the same as the Bible, I already got the Bible. If it's different from the Bible, right. whoever's teaching it's got to be accursed. Right. Um, question four. To those who believe the Spirit's still guiding people, separate apart from the, world today, the Word today, how how will it be then that we can be judged by the Word if the Spirit is giving guidance apart from the Word. Oh, now that's interesting. In John chapter 12, verse 48, Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So, Jesus said, Jesus said, We'll be judged by the words which he spoke. I'll give you an example of some words that Jesus spoke. In Mark 16, uh, 16 verse 16, he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's part of what, that, that's, that's going to be used in judgment. Have you believed and been baptized in order to be saved? Well, somebody said, well, but the Spirit told me that I didn't have to be baptized. Yeah. I really believe, I believe I received this message from the Spirit. And he said, don't worry about being baptized, you don't have to be baptized. But Jesus said, I did have to be baptized. And Jesus said, I'm going to be judged by his words. Well, then, we got a problem here. You do. You can't. You got yourself going and coming there. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, how can we be judged by the word? And Jesus said we would be judged by the word if the Spirit is giving guidance separate and apart from the That's word. That's right. Yeah. You see that? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, like, like that guy you said that he thought the Spirit had told him to divorce his wife. Yeah. Well, am I supposed to divorce my wife or am I not supposed to divorce my wife? Yeah. The Spirit told me one thing. The Bible tells me something different. Maybe it's one of those false spirits. Yeah. Real, real quickly, final question we ask, why aren't all people saved? If that's what God really wants, uh, and the Scriptures say that's what he wants, Second Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If, if God really wants everybody to be saved, and if the Spirit is working in the world today miraculously to lead people to do the will of God, why aren't all men saved? If that's what God wants, and the Spirit is active miraculously in the world today, why doesn't he miraculously convince everybody to come to the truth? Interesting. Stephen has another question he wants to pose to those who are so-called tongue talkers. Uh, They have to enlist the help of interpreters when they go to a foreign country. Furthermore, if in Acts 2, verse 8, each man heard them speak in their own language, why am I not hearing them in in English, my native language, when they are speaking in tongues. My son went to Germany for one year and came home speaking fluent German. I don't under, didn't understand a word. However, I knew what language he was speaking and having watched reruns of Hogan's Heroes on TV. <laughs> how come none of their religion, uh, none of their tongues uh, sound like any language I have ever heard? Uh, so uh, they're, they're not speaking a uh, language. Uh, in fact, they're, they're, just because someone was speaking in tongues doesn't mean uh, that you would be able to hear them in your own language because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it, I believe it talks about needing an interpreter. Uh, so it would be possible but, somebody but, could be speaking what, in a tongue, but it would be a language, a recognizable language. To Stephen's language, point, right? the, the tongues of the first century were real languages known by men just not known by the speaker it was that he spoke a language that he had never studied but right. they they were understood by men who spoke those languages that's right it wasn't just some gibberish that uh, they got whipped up into a lather and started spitting out it was a known language exactly right all right anything else i think that covers it i hope it, i hope we covered some things that are helpful in regards to this very important work of the holy spirit right how about it, uh, Kyle? Any co- comments from you? You, no, you probably talked a, to some people who think they've been told a few things by God, huh? Yeah, people who have actually uh, <clears throat> visually seen uh, that God has written some words. I just, it's, I can't read that that, 
I don't know. I can't read that in my Bible. That's a modern day revelation. So I just, I think it's, uh, God has given us all that we need. It's once for all has been delivered. So I think we need to abide by the commands that are given already. So. All right. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle, for being here tonight. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for listening to the program tonight. Again, we encourage you to contact us, questions at collegeview.com. Let us know where you're listening. Uh, let us know if you have comments, questions, or suggestions. And we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.